Hey, this is Rose, and if you are a calendar-conscious listener, you might be surprised to see a new episode in the feed today. Flash Forward is every other Tuesday, which means there wouldn't normally be an episode here because there was an episode last week. But this is not an episode of Flash Forward. This is an episode of my new show, which is called Advice for and from the Future. And just like it sounds, it is an advice show where I tackle tomorrow's questions today. Let me explain a little bit of backstory here. So in the course of making Flash Forward and writing articles and doing talks about the future, I get a lot of questions from people. And a lot of them are asking for advice. Given what we know about the future, what should I do? Flash Forward isn't really made to answer those questions. And I was getting a little bit frustrated that I had no real place officially to help people think through the future in that particular way. So I made a new show. On advice for and from the future, I'm going to help listeners tackle all kinds of future problems, some that they're struggling with today, some that they might struggle with tomorrow. Should I have a kid? Should I get DNA tested? Should I freeze my dog's body? Should I let my boss implant a chip in my hand? Can I ask my friend to turn off her Alexa when I go to her house? That kind of stuff. So you're about to hear the first episode of the show. And if you like it, please do subscribe to it. It is not going to be in this feed. It has its own feed. And you can go find it on any podcasting app that you use. The last thing I'll say before setting you off to advice land is that this new show is going to be a little bit more, let's say, adult than Flash Forward. I keep Flash Forward clean for teachers and parents to be able to listen with their kids or use in classrooms. So there's normally no cursing and mostly no adult content on Flash Forward. This advice show is not quite so squeaky clean. The episode you're about to hear does have some cursing in it, and it acknowledges the idea of sex. It's kind of like flash forward after hours. So just be aware of that. Okay, I'm really excited for you to hear this, and I really hope you like it. Let's do it. Hi there, and welcome to Advice for and from the Future, a brand new podcast where we tackle the most pressing questions you have about and from tomorrow. I'm your resident futurologist, Rose Eppleth. Who am I to be giving advice? Well, like most advice columnists, I have very little business telling anybody what to do. But what I do have is many years of reporting on the future. I make another podcast called Flash Forward, and I've written about possible and not-so-possible futures for The Atlantic, Wired, Scientific American, Popular Science, blah, 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 lots of fancy places. And on this show, I am here to help you with your questions. Should you let your boss implant a chip in your hand? Can you ask your friends to turn off their Alexa devices when you come over? Is it okay to have kids amidst all of this. 
help answer these questions, I'll bring in experts, time travelers, musicians, and even a few inanimate objects. By the end, you'll be ever so slightly better prepared for what's to come. On today's episode, we are tackling a really big cosmic relationship question. And to do that, I called up my friend and podcaster, Andrea Salenzi, creator of the award-winning dating show, YOY. Okay, Andrea, you are a dating expert. Is that correct? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I just Is there a difference, do you think, between a dating expert and a relationship expert? I just think anyone who claims to be an expert at this is someone who wants to sell you a book or, you know, be your professional life coach. I just, I have no interest in any of that, but I have... Uh, developed a specialty in this area, unfortunately. And also people send me stories about their dating lives because I've been telling stories about dating quasi-professionally for a long time. So I feel like I have a sense of what it's like for me, but also for other people. Excellent. That's good because I have a dating question for you via a listener who uh, wants to know how to handle a very unique situation, I I guess I would say. So I'm going to, I'm actually going to send this question to you. I'm just going to text it to you here so you can hear it. Hello. Thank you so much for answering my question. So a while ago, my partner told me they wanted to go to Mars and I just kind of left it off because, you know, it's really far away. But apparently they're serious. They've applied and been accepted and now they're going to Mars and they want me to go with them. And I really don't know what to say because I don't want to go to Mars. (laughs) Well, at least, you know, this listener got invited. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. They could go if they wanted to. Right. I mean, I think it's a... In relationships, you often have to make decisions together. You know, what should we order for delivery tonight? What new television show should we start streaming together? And in those decisions, there should be an element of compromise. I feel like Thai. I feel like Chinese. Oh, how about we order pizza? (laughs) You know, I don't think there is a middle ground between I want to go to Mars and I don't want to go to Mars. I guess. Yeah, like go to the moon instead. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that's the first thing. Like, I understand you have an interest in, you know, exploring faraway places. Could we book a trip to Antarctica? Let's start saving up now. You know, I wonder if there is a middle ground that they could explore together that can create a feeling of going to Mars. But to me, saying you want to go to Mars is like saying, I want to leave everything behind. And that's such an extreme emotion that I don't know if there's anything in between that. Like saying you want to go to Mars to me is like saying you want to die. But you, this person could die with them. They, I want to die and I want you to come with me. I just... It's so far away. It's so, so far away. It's also like I make decisions every day about investing on life in this planet, you know, decisions about composting or decisions about how you treat your neighbors. And you have to kind of, you're either on the team that believes and we're trying to improve life here, or you're on the team that's like, I'm out of here. So there's such a fundamental difference. If you want to go to Mars, how do I talk to you about how we can be better neighbors? Do you feel like this changes the way that you might consider a person's like other other elements of this person's personality in a relationship? Like, does this make you reconsider dating them in general? Yeah, because in a partnership, you have a shared vision of a shared future. That's the reason why you are in this, as you say, oh, I can picture us planning 
trips. I can picture what it's like to stay at home late, getting work done with you. You have this shared vision of a ideal future. I guess neither of those things were that ideal. I don't know. <laughs> when, but they could be, right? Yeah. They could be the small moments. Yeah, I think you when you when you really care about someone and you're in a relationship with them, you like to close your eyes and picture a future together. And those details are just such precious things sometimes. And now their future plans are so divergent. I don't know how you continue. I feel like saying you telling your partner you want to go to Mars is as close to I want to break up with you as possible. It's saying that that vision of our future is not for me. I don't want to buy a house. I don't want to get a dog. I don't want to plant a garden. I will never be there to watch television with you because I want to upend everything and go to another planet. That's not a person for you. I mean, that person just needs to find someone who also wants to just leave it all behind. Right. And I I get nihilism. I go to dark places. But <laughs> I just, that's such an extreme that I don't, I don't know if there's a middle ground. I get wanting to be an adventure. I guess my question for this person would be, is your partner an adventurous person on in, in like the day-to-day reality? Is this a person who is always dragging you to new restaurants and exploring new cities with you and suggesting you try new foods? And I guess I'm thinking about food a lot. Oh my gosh, the quarantine. <laughs> but, but is this a person who has an adventurous spirit? And so in that case, this is in line with their personality. But if this is a person who isn't already creating a sense of adventure and exploration in your relationship that you guys can embark on together, then this person just wants to cut and run and quit everything. And I do not agree with that impulse. I do want to give you just like a little bit of info just for help to make maybe would be helpful about like how long a trip to Mars might take. Because there's also a potential for this person to be like, cool, go to Mars, come back. We'll re- reassess when you're back, um, which is another potential option for this person. Maybe. I'm not sure. Um, so a trip to Mars takes anywhere between 210 and 300 days. Um it's sort of the Mars and Earth are not always the same distance apart because of the way that they orbit the sun. Um, and so usually you try to time it when they're closest because you want to get there fastest. So that'd be about 210 days. Um, and then obviously, if you're going to take that long to go to Mars, you probably want to stay there for more than the amount of time that it's going to take you to get there and back. So you're probably staying there for like a year or two or something like that. So this trip to Mars, assuming it is not a one-way trip to Mars, which is sort of the way that a lot of people talk about it, um, if you are coming back, uh, that'll probably be at least like five years, I would say, four or five years of time to either be with your partner who you are maybe like, what if you break up while you go to Mars and you're just there with them for five extra years? Or you have to wait five years for your partner to come back. I guess maybe... I'm thinking about this all wrong. (laughs) You know, maybe it's the most romantic thing ever that they think that their relationship could survive this journey. So I guess one question I have for you is like how you would approach the conversation. So we can, if you're willing to do a little bit of role playing, like let's say that I'm the partner and you are the question asker and um, I come home and I'm like, hey, babe, I've got great news. We have this golden ticket. We can go to Mars. Um, So many questions. Uh, the first thing I would do is I would suggest that we sit down facing each other. Um, I think it's really nice to have serious conversations, not while you're trying to do other things, but to actually make the conversation an event. And I also think kind of belly to belly communication with you are fully seeing each other face to face is great. So I wouldn't sit on a couch. I would say, let's sit at the table. Let's face each other. Maybe get a drink. 
you know, uh, I don't know. I just think always on The Bachelor, there's a drink nearby and it just makes me feel more (laughs) relaxed. (laughs) Any drink, you know, warm, cold, whatever. Sit down with a drink, face each other um, and say, I'd like to take an hour to talk about this really seriously with you. Okay, so we're sitting down. We're facing each other. I have a Negroni. You have what? What are you going to drink? I don't know. Whatever's left. I accidentally ordered some aloe vera (laughs) juice, hoping it would help me make hand sanitizer. So I guess I'm drinking what's left of my aloe vera juice. Okay, great. Good for ulcers. And I'm like... So and I'm like, all right, like this is an opportunity of a lifetime. How many people get selected? Not very many. Probably like 100 people got this option. Like we can't say no. Right. Um, but but Rose, don't you like the life we've created together here? But we could take it with us. Really? The the sunshine? The walks so no, we take our sunshine. dog on? But all I need is you. I don't need any of that other stuff. And what about um, our intimacy? You know, I, I understand it might be prohibited for us to be intimate for a very long time on space. Right now, sex is not allowed in space. What are we going to do? That's true. Do? I mean, how are they going to enforce that <laughs> is my question. Okay, fair. Um, but do you think we're really up to the test? You know, this is. Yeah, we passed. We got our ticket. Wow. Uh, yeah. But what about um, our families and our friends? You know, we take a lot of risks every day. It's pretty dangerous even just getting in a car, touching your face. Um, but, <laughs> but this is it seems pretty risky to me. And, you know, I love the life we've created. Are you sure you're ready to give all that up? You know, there could be an explosion on takeoff. I don't know if I trust these, like, VC-funded mars exploration companies i don't want to leave all of everything behind i'm not ready to die rose is what i'm saying (laughs) it is true there is a not insignificant risk that we would die on impact and or on the way uh that's true um to me i am willing to take the risk to be one of the first people potentially to live on another planet which is like an unprecedented i guess what i really want to ask you what i'd really want to ask you in this situation is do you want to die? Because that's what I hear every time you tell me you want to go to Mars, is that you want to leave everything that we know and love behind, and you're willing to risk not having a future together. Right. And I think my answer as the person who wants to go to Mars is that I recognize that there is the risk of death, but it it seems worth it to me to have an experience that is completely unparalleled, that no one else in the history of the world has ever set foot on Mars. And to be the first group of people to do that and to see what that's like and to see the mountains of Mars and to see the earth from so far away and to have that experience is worth the risk of death. And that is where I would fundamentally disagree with you. I just think that there are so many things to do here on earth that don't involve being in a cramped spaceship for the rest for the next five years. Like, I just don't know if that sacrifice lines up for me. I guess you're gonna have to go without me. Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't think we can be together. Ugh, bummer. I feel capable of breaking up with someone over the impulse to leave, if that makes sense. Mm. Is it that you worry that if it gets hard, you'll just bail? Yes. And and bail on all of us on this planet. And also it's such like a it's such a, a weird idea of how you want to make history. 
Um, I just feel like there are ways to save the world that don't involve leaving it. The, the decision to go to Mars is a decision to not care about any future plans other than going to Mars. And yeah. It's like an every man for themselves kind of. That's what's happening like, in that situation. Ethos. Yeah. And also, you know, it just reminded me that basically anything you agree to do just because your partner wants to do, like, it's always a worse experience. I, I feel like I can speak for experience. Not a good idea. Yeah, it's very rarely that the partner's like, come on, you're going to love Ford and Ferrari. And then you go and it's just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so glad I never knew I loved car movies, but now I know. Like at wow. a certain age, you know yourself well enough to know if you want to go to Mars or not. And a partner shouldn't have to talk you into that. That's definitely true. So my last question for you is, is it cheating if your partner is literally on Mars and you are on Earth? <sighs> no, I think it's okay. <laughs> If you're out of like Earth's radius, I just feel like anything goes and I would definitely give you a hall pass if you're heading to Mars. Yeah, anything goes in space. Please have sex in space and report back as soon as possible. (laughs) I want you to be one of the first people to tell me what that's like. Yeah, I am reminded of the classic 2001 song Area Codes by Ludacris. And I was before we got on this phone call, I was playing the song because I wanted to remember the like what it was like. And my partner, Robert, came in and was like, oh, I love this song. And he knows all the words to it still. (laughs) So he should go to Mars is what I'm saying. (laughs) Wait, so this is the so hose in different area codes. Like, how does that apply? What's the version of this that we could write for Mars? I have hose in different planetary codes (laughs) in different gravitational Gravitational notes. notes. Okay, I I feel like now I need to commission someone to remake the song for this episode, but for planets. Yeah. <laughs> Andrea. Oh my god. Thank you for offering yeah. this advice to our lovely advice question asker from the future. I I mean, I'm not saying break up, but I'm kind of saying break up. You should definitely break up. <laughs> Do you have questions about the future? Some conundrum you're facing now or one that you think we might face in the future? Send it to me so we can answer it. You can send a voice memo to advice at ffwdpresents.com or call 347-927-1425 and leave a message. No question is too small or too strange. And now, a quick break, and when we come back, two surprises for you. One musical and one not. Here's a song. I've got hoes. I've got hoes. Indifferent alien homes. Alien, alien homes. 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 Indifferent alien homes. Alien, alien homes. Now you thought I was just Earth? And the moon next door? I'm universal. Act like y'all don't know. It's the galactic hoe man. Extraterrestrial postman, space stick dope man from Red Mars and Deimos, all the small planets and moons in the cosmos. Ganymede, matter of fact, Sinope. I'll jump off of the spaceship, we can meet on Thebes. So control your hormones and keep your suit on till I close the hatch and I'm jumping your bones. Terra Temp, Albamons, Sycorax, Oberon. I'll read your horoscope, the stars are right there. No gravity, these hoes just don't care. Mars Southern Highlands to Little IO, my intercom just. Overload. I've got hoes. 
I've got holes in different alien homes. Alien homes. Holes. 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 In different alien homes. Alien homes. Oh, yes. I was not kidding when I said that I was going to commission a remake of Area Codes, but about planets. That cover, by the way, was by the very, very funny Shannon and Scott, who make a podcast called Song Salad, which I definitely recommend. I will link to it in the show notes. So in planning for and working on this podcast, I started reading a lot of advice columns. And advice columns are kind of a weird thing, right? They're obviously meant to give advice to the specific question asker and also to anybody reading the column who might have a similar conundrum. But they're also like more than that, right? The best advice columns, in my opinion, take questions and not only answer them, but also pull out to the 10,000 foot view and say something about people or culture or what we're doing here on this planet. And I want to try to do that on this show too. So at the end of every episode, I'm going to include a segment that I'm calling the crystal ball. Not because it's going to predict the future, but because it's a swirly, mysterious object that will change between episodes. So, here we go. Have you ever stood at the edge of something and looked down and felt that weird urge to jump? I'm not talking about actual suicidal ideation, and if you do feel that, please reach out for help. The 24-hour suicide hotline in the U.S. is 1-800-273-TALK or 8255. What I'm talking about is that weird urge to just, like, see what would happen if you jumped. Like, what would it be like? What if you just did it? If you know this feeling, you understand what I'm saying. If you've never felt it and you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Ask your friends. About 50% of people say they've experienced this urge. And there's even a name for this phenomenon. The French call it the call of the void. And in English, it has a much less cool name, the high place phenomenon. There's very little research on why this happens, and I won't bore you with the thin psychological guessing that I have read about it. But most people I know have had this feeling. And I think it relates to this question, this desire to go to Mars, this urge to just jump and leave everything else behind. No more laundry or hard conversations about family or fights about who picks up the dog's poop or dirty dishes in the sink. No more of those little stupid things that clog up your days. What if you just jumped? Lots of people famously blow up their lives in ways that seem totally mystifying from the outside. She had it so good, people say. What happened? Why didn't she just change the one thing that wasn't working? It's weird that sometimes the big thing feels easier to just pack up and leave. When I was a kid, I ran away a couple of times. I'm using air quotes because really I packed a backpack and I ran several blocks and I climbed a tree because I didn't really know where else to go. I didn't have a museum to flee to like the kids in my favorite book at the time from the mixed up files of Miss Basil E. Frankweiler, a very unwieldy name. A tree seemed reasonable and tall. And I liked climbing trees anyway, so it was kind of fun, at least for a little while. Until it started getting cold and dark, and I really didn't have much of a plan. 
I ran away because I didn't know how to ask for or articulate the problems I was having because I was a child. I didn't feel like I could actually change the problems that I could articulate, again, because I was a child. And it just seemed easier to totally bail and to run away and start again than to try and change what was going on. And even if I couldn't live in that tree for the rest of my life, which I sort of knew I couldn't, I thought that maybe it would send a message that I was willing to at least try in order for something to be different. This, to me, is what deciding to leave your partner and go to Mars is like. It's running away to go live in a tree. You sort of know that it's probably not a good long-term strategy. But doing it would shake things up enough that you could maybe make the other changes that you want to in your life. Like when you fuck up an Etch-a-Sketch and you just shake it to make all the lines go away. You can live your life by hitting the ejector seat button every time things get hard if you want to. And many of you probably know people who do that. But those people are also probably very lonely because this is an ultimately selfish and alienating strategy. Part of being a caring adult, a person in this world full of other people, is stepping away from the edge. And even when you're tempted to just see what might happen if you just set everything on fire, not doing that. And this is true of the future as well. Making our world better, which is what I hope most of you want, isn't easy. That is an absurd understatement. The planet is burning, extractive capitalism is killing us, the air is getting harder to breathe, the oceans are dying, there is a global pandemic. It is not great out there. And amidst all of this, it can seem way simpler to just say, well, fuck it. Let's try again on Mars. It's easier to climb a tree and say, no, I don't want to come home, than to figure out how you can actually get involved and work really, really hard to make changes that you're not even sure will make a difference. But you can't actually live in that tree. And the future is worth working for. And besides, Mars will always be there for you if you do decide to give up. Advice for and from the future is written, edited, and performed by me, Rose Evelyn. The intro music is by Also, 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 who have a new album out called The Good Grief, which you can get on Bandcamp right now. Thanks to Jess Driscoll for recording the question for this episode, and to Andrea Salenzi for joining me to talk about dating and Mars and whether you should break up with your partner. Hose in Different Planetary Codes was written and performed by Shannon and Scott of the Song Salad podcast, which you should absolutely check out. If you want to ask a question from or about the future, please do send a voice memo to advice at ffwdpresents.com. If you want to get behind the scenes stuff about the show and other shows in the Flash Forward Presents network, you can do that by becoming a member of the Time Traveler program. Just go to ffwdpresents.com, like flashforwardpresents.com, for more on that. Okay, until next time. <laughs>